I'm really excited about this episode. I had my first guest today. It was really fun to record. I had a good friend of mine. Um, his name is Jeff Lavecchio. If you haven't heard of him before, you're definitely missing out. He's just awesome. He's a really freaking cool human being, and I'm so grateful that he was able to come on my podcast. Um, so yeah, we just kind of got right into it, and he just starts at the very beginning. So here we go. I was born on a wintry cold night. No, that's a lie. I was born in August, but um, I, uh, I was born in Chicago, and then my parents moved here when I was four, um, so I grew up playing hockey here. And I always tell people when I give speeches to teams and stuff like that, like I wasn't the best hockey player growing up by any means, like not even close. Um, but uh, year after year, my parents always said to me, if you want to be good at something, like you have to put in the work and it's, it's up to you. We can't do it for you. And my dad's only advice all growing up was hard work, patience and more hard work. Literally, that's what he said to me all the time. Like, I'm not going to talk to the coaches for you. No one's going to do this for you. It's completely up to you. And I really started to take that seriously, probably around like fifth or sixth grade. Um, and then by middle school, I made like what's called AAA Blues. And that's like the best hockey you can play in St. Louis for an mm -hmm. amateur. And uh, I played like I barely played. Like I was like riding the bench. I was one of those guys who was like the last guy picked, like that kind of thing. And then I really took the whole mindset of like my grandma always said, if it is to be, it's up to me, you know, and I'm a big like slogan guy and my, I need those things. They help me so much. If I'm having a good day, it helps me to remind myself of that. If I'm having a bad day, even more so, I look at all of these sayings to remind me of my why or why I want to do something, who I want to be, what I want to be, all those things. Um, so I just started going to the rink on my own by myself in seventh grade. I'd stay there all day long, get on any ice I could. And all of a sudden I started to get results and I played a little more in eighth grade. And then in ninth grade, I was lights out. I was one of the best players in St. Louis wound up leaving. I had to leave when I was 15 and a half and moved to Chicago and live with my aunt and uncle, leave my parents, which was really hard um, because hockey was just better there at that time. Um, so I played there, kind of had like an okay year um, and going into the summer, all of a sudden kind of took off again when I started like training and working out. That's when I got into working out. And then I went and played in Omaha, Nebraska for junior hockey. Fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. We yeehaw. Um, <laughs> it's actually a lot like, like Chesterfield and, and, and surrounding like West suburbs of St. Louis though. So it's, it's actually not like, I thought I was going to go there and it was going to be cornfields. And I legit <laughs> thought it was going to be like people riding tractors to school. And I lived in a subdivision that legit looked like where I'm from, looked like Chesterfield, yeah. Wildwood, whatever. Uh, but I played there for three years and then I went to Western Michigan uh, university where division one on a full scholarship and almost they wound up giving me a full after my first year because I worked so hard. They made me the captain as a sophomore. And then I signed with the Bruins after my junior year and left school early to uh, sign my first NHL contract. Nice. And then, yeah. and then you got a concussion while you were there. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a bunch of concussions before that in amateur hockey and, and, you know, I hit a lot of roadblocks, a lot of setbacks. That was the, the quick version, but uh, yeah, right after I signed that NHL contract a few months later, um, I got a really, really bad concussion. I had post-concussion syndrome. I lost like 12 hours of memory and the night before I still don't remember what happened. That's um, And, you know, I just signed, 
you know, all my dreams, hopes and dreams, I think they're about to come true, sign NHL deal. And then I felt like the rug was kind of pulled out from under me. Um, and I thought I'd never play hockey again. I went through the worst eight months of my life and I didn't play hockey again um, for a year and a half. So right. it, was, it was an extremely, extremely dark time for me. And it was, it was very hard. Um, I ca- I'm not somebody who talks about my problems, which I now know is really bad for you. It's <laughs> super good to talk to somebody, whether it's a therapist, a sports psychologist, a friend, a podcast, like you're doing, it's therapeutic. Like my podcast, it's therapeutic for me to talk about good and bad things that happened in my past. Right. And, uh, I kept it all in. So I'm sure that made it worse. I know that made it worse, but I came out of it and wound up getting to play nine more years professionally after that. So I was, I was extremely happy that I was able to do that. Yeah. So how did you get through that? I mean, that eight months, what did you do? It was tough. I mean, it was, it was really tough. Like I, uh, I'd wake up every day and I'd go to the rink for practice, but I couldn't practice and I couldn't work out. And I'd have everybody when I'd walk in, how you feeling today? You ready to go? And I was like, "Uh, it's month four. Nothing's changed. I still feel like a piece of shit. I didn't, I I can't do anything athletically. Like I'm losing muscle mass. I'm losing weight because I'm trying not to get fat. So thinking off, I wake up tomorrow or next week, like I got to be able to get back in shape quickly so I can start playing. So um, you know, like I lost a ton of weight. Uh, I had nightmares every single night I had a nightmare that my teeth were falling out and like, it sounds like funny, but it's not at all. Like I literally would wake up with my fingers in my mouth, dripping in sweat. Some nights I'd sleep on the couch. Some nights I'd sleep on the floor because I knew that when I fell asleep, I would just start leaking sweat partly was because of the nightmares I was having. And, you know, that was all like psychological from me not being able to like pursue my dreams and stuff like that. And, and the post concussion stuff. And, Um, I went to, I had to drive to Boston every day to see the Bruins doctors. So like five days a week, four days a week, I would drive 40 minutes down the highway. I was in Providence with their farm team, um, there and four days a week, I'd have to drive 45 minutes down the highway, see a doctor, go do vestibular rehab, um, go do this rehab, go get acupuncture in my skull and my neck doing all these things for my eyes, my ears, my brain, my balance that was all messed up from the concussions. And every day it was just like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do whatever they tell me. And, and one day it's going to click, it's going to happen. And it took forever, but finally it happened. So did you just wake up one day and you just like f- felt better? Or was it kind of like gradual? Um, it was very back then, this was in 2008. So concussion, protocols in the NHL and the AHL were a joke. They were like, so Mm -hmm. archaic. It was basically just sit and do nothing. You got to feel good for three days, then try and ride the bike. And if you don't feel good, sit and do nothing for three days, then try and ride the bike. Science now is like, you got to get up and get moving immediately. And you have to do it in specific ways that are healthy. Um, But I actually flew out to um, University of Pittsburgh Medical Clinic, where they have a massive concussion program there. And Mickey Collins, the doctor who created baseline testing, which a lot of people take in college sports now, mm-hmm. start their season. And then also if they get concussions, right. um, I worked with him and within like two months, I was working out again. 
which was just like, I, I had to work myself up slowly from like walking to riding a bike to doing whatever. And all of a sudden I was back to working out again. And, um, within like four months of seeing him, I was practicing again. So it was, it was kind of like, as soon as I went to see a specific concussion specialist, they knew what to tell me that helped me immediately. And they put me on medicine, which unfortunately I'm still on today, you know, 14, 13, 14 years after that bad concussion. But, um, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I got better and I, you know, I got to play nine years after that, which was, uh, I didn't think it was going to happen. I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen, but, uh, you know, it happened. So I'm pretty excited. about Yeah. That. That's awesome. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I had a bad concussion too. And I remember I had my, it was like six months or something crazy and obviously not like yours, but, uh, I remember I was watching my team's game and, all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, I don't have a headache. <laughs> and then I like started like, I was like freaking out. I was like, Oh my God, I don't have a headache. And then like from freaking out, I like got a headache, obviously, <laughs> but yeah. that was yeah. like the beginning of like getting better, which was crazy. But, yeah. um, anyways, so yeah, after that, uh, like how did you play overseas? Like, did they like contact you? Did you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, after my third year playing, I, I got a couple, my first year back from the concussion, I was doing really well. I was lighting it up. I was one of the last cuts for the Bruins in camp. And my contract was a two way, which all first contracts are it means if you're in the NHL, you get X salary. If you're in the AHL, you get X salary, but you can go up or down. And uh, I was doing really well in the AHL and I took a slap shot in the face and that Perfect. knocked me out and felt like lightning went through my body. If you look closely, you can see that scar right there. You know, that's from 13 years ago. And, uh, my lips split open. They had to glue it back together. Um, and so I missed like two months for that one. And then, um, the next year, uh, I got in a fight, had my orbital bone cracked. Didn't even know it till like three months after the season, you know, I was wondering why I'm having headaches and, probably got a little concussion there. And then the next year after that, I got hit from behind missing a breakaway. Some loser Russian guy, absolutely cheap shot of me. And I had like six bones fracture in my face, oh blew my, my sinus out, got another concussion. So after that one, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Europe now. Like for me, the NHL, I mean, the NHL dream was pretty much over after the first one, only because I knew I kind of had to change the way I played, mm -hmm. which is very hard to deal with when you're like that close. You're like, Right. One millimeter away. And it's like, it's all going to happen. And then it kind of, all this stuff happened. But for me, it was like, well, all throughout that time, I just would always look back and go, well, at least I'm not the guy who's laying in bed all day. Like it sucks that I can't chase that NHL dream and I'm not going to be able to fulfill that. I did get to play seven preseason games, which I didn't think would happen after that concussion. And I'm grateful for those. And that's something that 99.9% .9 of people don't accomplish. So for sure, I'm very happy. I was able to do that. But, uh, after that last one where I broke a bunch of bones in my face, I said, okay, I'm going to go to Europe. And uh, my agent here just started reaching out to teams over in the pro leagues in Europe over there, because it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool thing over in Europe. They pay for your apartment all year long. Um, they pay your agent fee, which in the U S you have to pay your agent fee. It comes out of your salary. Huh. Uh, they pay for your flights over there for you and your wife or girlfriend or whatever. And they pay all your taxes in the country. So you don't have to pay taxes on your money. It's tax free. Um, so if you're not going to play in the NHL, 
Um, it's a, it's a pretty good life and you get to see the world and you get to play in front of like really, really fun fans over there. They're like, it's like soccer fans in Europe. They do yeah. the same way in hockey. They're, they're psychos. They got their shirts off and they're whipping towels around and playing drums and horns and screaming. And it was, it was so much fun. It's some of the most fun hockey I got to play in front of some of the best fans. So, um, you know, wasn't playing in the NHL, but it was still pretty cool. And I got a, a good experience for seven years there. Yeah. That's awesome. I think, I think it was like actually a year ago, like almost to the day I went to a hockey game in Germany and their fans are just unreal. Where'd you go? What city? Uh, Freiburg. Okay. So I think they're, they might even be in the third league. So there's three leagues in Germany. I can't Uh, remember if it's two or three. They they might be in the second league. That might be DEL too, but the DEL Deutsche Ice Hockey League is the top league in Germany. Mm-hmm. And they pay very well. They have like NHL size stadiums. Uh, I have two two clients that play in that league. Oh um, no way! From St. Louis, that one of them play in the NHL, and now he plays over there. He's been there for like eight years. Um, yeah, it's like that's an unbelievable league. Yeah, that's yeah, really it's cool. crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so where all did you play? Uh, so I played in Italy. And then the second year I played in um, Lillehammer, Norway. The third year I played in the Austrian league, which is one of the best leagues over there. But my team was actually right outside Budapest in Hungary. Oh, but that's it, cool. Yeah. My favorite city. Anyone listening or you, if you ever want to travel to Europe and especially if you want to travel to Europe and not spend a buttload of money, you should go to Budapest. It is absolutely beautiful. There's so much to do. The food is amazing. And if you bring a hundred dollars there, you're living like you're a millionaire. Like it's insane. It's that's awesome. It's unbelievable. So played there <laughs> that year. I also played in Oslo, Norway, the capital city, which is an unbelievable city in Norway, downtown. Uh, the next two years I played in Japan, um, which was a crazy, wild, unbelievable experience. It's like nowhere else I've ever lived. Or yeah, played. I feel like that'd be a culture shock for sure. It was, it was. But I, and for some of my teammates who I I played with a cup, one guy in the American League with Boston system, and I brought him over there with me. I told the coach like, you should sign this guy. He's a good player, or whatever. So they they signed him too, and uh, he was very culture shocked. Like <laughs> he he didn't like assimilate well. But for me, I was like. I'm going to, this is a different country because they're on the other side of the world. They live differently. They have different values, different norms. Like I just embraced it and I loved it. They treated me like an absolute King. I got my (laughs) own room on the road. Everywhere we went, we flew to every game we played except for one team. That league was in Russia, China, South Korea and Japan. So, wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, our, the team was owned by Kleenex, the brand, like that company. <laughs> so they had unlimited money. Um, it was so much fun, treated like, like a King. And I played two years there. And then my last year playing, uh, professionally, I went back to that team by Budapest and that was, uh, three years ago. Now I've been retired. This is my third year. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was longer ago than that. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Okay. Wow. So, okay. So like the transition from doing all that to coming back and I mean, not really having a normal life, but like, you know, not playing anymore. Like how did you handle that or how did you? Yeah. So a lot, a lot of professional athletes have a pretty hard time with that, especially if you didn't make enough money in your career to be set for the rest of your life, which I didn't. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't believe in that saying that everything happens for a reason, because I think that's an excuse, but mm-hmm. I think that 
you can look at everything that happens to you and use it to your advantage. Uh, I heard Will Smith say something on Instagram last night that I loved. He said, if you look at the duality of everything that happens to you, it's the best thing that's ever happened to you, but it's also the worst thing that ever happened to you. You stop and think about that. Like I, I think about that a lot. I was thinking about it all night and it's like, that's my concussion. It was by far the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Change the trajectory of my career, my bank account, all these things. Right. Um, but it also forced me to start my company. And so to get back to your question, so after my third year, when I, when I got those six bones broken in my face and blew up my sinus and I decided to go to Europe, I knew that I was probably not going to make enough money in hockey, 99% most likely to retire off that and never have to work again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started my training company in the off seasons. Cause when you're, you know, professional hockey player, you pretty much only have to work, work out, work out like two hours a day in the summer. That's your job. Right. Get in shape, stay in shape. That's all you got to do. So for me, I'm like a go-getter. I was like, well, I want to help the next generation in St. Louis with training. Um, because that's the only reason I was able to play junior hockey, to play division one. I went to school for exercise science. It's the only reason I signed an NHL deal. Like only reason I was able to play pro is because I was always in better shape than everyone, which allowed me to play better for longer, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started my company and I had two clients that summer and I charged $25 for a two hour session. I had nice. to pay yeah, not nice. I mean, I was too nice. I had to pay the gym 30% of what I brought in. So for four hours of work, I was making a day, four days a week. I was making, and it wasn't about the money back then, but looking back, it's funny. I was just trying to start something. I yeah. was making $50 a day for four hours. And then 30% of that $50 was going to the gym. I was training my clients out of. So I don't even know what that means, but I was probably <laughs> making like $7 an hour, you know, and the, right. where I am now from where I was then is crazy, but it was just like, I'm going to start. I know it's just like hockey. I had to start training. I had to practice. I had to put in my time. I didn't just make it to being a division one and a pro athlete, uh, at three years old, when I started hockey, I knew I had to put in time. So that first summer I had two clients. The next summer I had 10, the third summer I had 30 and then it jumped to like 50 and then a hundred. And then all the years until I retired the next four more years, um, three more years, I had over a hundred clients I was seeing every off season on top of my own workouts. Mm-hmm. And then I retired. And now, you know, I see quite, quite a bit of clients year round and have online training as well, where a couple thousand people have used it in the last year. Really? So how many people are on the train heroic thing right now? Right. Well, it's like hard to tell right now because, uh, I do it like a couple different ways. Like I have three teams that I work with in season. One mm-hmm. of the teams has like 40 guys on it. One of the teams has, has had like 50 guys throughout the season. One of the teams had 30. So, you know, right there with just the three teams, that's probably like a overall over the course of the season, it's probably been like 125, 130 guys just on those three teams um, Mm. and their organizations. And then all the people doing train with me, I think I have like 80 or 90 people that are, have done that or are doing it at some point and 52 currently right now. Um, and then I have like all these online programs that people can just buy anytime they want. And, you know, I've had, that's where I've had most of the people doing them over the last year. Yeah. So then, especially in the off season, how many people do you have a day that come into your gym? Uh, the last two year summers, I've had 80 guys every day in person. Oh my God. 
Yeah. That's and it's great. not one-on-one, obviously it's not one. Right. I do eight sessions of 10 players per, per session, each session, the pros get two hours, all the amateurs get like an hour and 40 minutes. So they're pretty long days, uh, in the summer, in the off season, yeah. that's, uh, that's grind time for the boys. And it's my job to get them ready to play. And then on the weekends, I have, uh, some, some, groups where they can't afford to come see me four days a week, like the rest of my clients. So, um, I come in on the weekend and I'll train a couple of groups just so that, you know, it's, I don't think it's fair that just cause they can't afford to see me four days a week, they shouldn't have the same, uh, availability to, to quality training. So, uh, uh, you know, I work on the weekend a little bit too. Right. Well, I bet even with like, I mean, I've heard Trent talk about training with you. Do you have people that reach out to you because of that, they're like, Hey, I heard Trent trains with you. Like I want to train with you too. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much how it started. I only train uh, in person, like really, really good hockey players, right? NHL, AHL, uh, European pro, uh, division one, division three, and then down to like, uh, I think the youngest kid I have now is a 16 year old. Um, and all those kids, you know, hopefully their goal is to try and play juniors in division one, division three. Um, and every year it keeps growing. I'm, I have two coaches that are going to take on the younger groups for me um, this summer. So that's really exciting and really cool that I'm expanding there. But uh, that's another reason I started online training because so many people wanted to train the way that I train and train with me. But, you know, I, I can't say yes to everyone. And, and my niche specifically with the people that I personally train are just the highest level guys and mm. girls. Um, I train some female Olympians and, and pros. Uh, as well. But uh, so then my coaches and the online training can be anyone I can't get to, or maybe somebody who's, you know, not at that elite level yet, but hopefully doing my online training on their own. It's much, much, much cheaper. Again, I want to be able to have everyone have access to legitimate strength coach, uh, uh, strength coaches and performance coaches such as myself. So um, I think that's just a great way to to help more people uh, and GMBM, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, and then you mentioned like, I know you work out with Nicole too. And she went to Lindenwood uh, at the same time that I did. And she would work out with us on occasion just to like get more work in. She is unreal. She's like, a savage. Savage. Wh- savage. Like crazy. Savage. I mean, you don't win a gold medal. Right, right. On accident. I mean, like she's won a gold medal. In women's yeah. hockey, there's no Stanley Cup. So the gold medal is That's like it. It's the, it's the Stanley Cup. It's the, the highest level. And I've been working with her for three or four years now. And the most dedicated athlete maybe I have. And if yeah. she's not the number one, she's top three without a doubt. And right. She's a savage. She will do anything that I say, anything that we could come up with together to help her get a little bit better to keep her as being, you know, one of USA's top goalies. Yeah. Well, I remember one time she worked out with us uh, and it was cool because our strength coach at Lindenwood, uh, her name's Andrea. She's actually the first strength and conditioning coach in major league baseball. She works for the twins. Oh yeah. I've heard about her. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Damn. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, but anyways, Nicole came to work out with us one day and I remember just like, I don't even think I fully did the workout because I was just like watching her. I was like, what is like, it was, it was crazy just to watch her. 
and she is a badass. There's yeah. no doubt about it. For sure. Um, yep. No, but anyways, okay. So going back to the give more, be more. Speaking of, I'm wearing that sweatshirt right now. Uh, Yo, love it. <laughs> but um, where did that come from? Did you make that up or like? Yeah. So I went. Uh, I went to this supplement conference out in Arizona for a company I was working with at the time my first year being retired. So it was two years ago around January, December, January. And, uh, I thought it was going to be like, uh, you see in the movies where people are all like, like, Oh, standing up. And like, you know, like that ridiculous, like, like this is so phony and everybody just is like phony. And, and I got there and there was like 3000 people in this like massive room and everybody's cheering and happy. And, but it was like, it was so real and everyone in there wanted to help people so much. Like they were there to learn how to make money through this supplement company, whatever, but they all primarily loved helping people. And it was the coolest energy I've ever been around. I will never forget it. And on one of the the, the last day, um, my flight got canceled because I think there was like a blizzard in St. Louis or something. So then I had, I was out there with some friends that I'd met through the company and they took a different flight home. So I had to stay there on my own. So I just went walking around downtown Scottsdale, uh, uh, by myself. And I came to this, it's like such a movie thing. I'm saying it's so corny, but I came to this like business park. I was looking for a tattoo shop cause I wanted to get a tattoo. I was stuck there for a day. I might as well do something. And I come to this business park where there's all these really cool buildings. And in the middle, there was like this little oasis of like a really pretty little pond with waterfalls and rocks and pathways and Christmas lights. And I just sat there and like, I was, I, I was really into like breathing and meditation and learning all about that. I had nothing to do. So I just like sat and looked at the water and I thought about the conference and I was thinking about what I want to do with my life and what direction I want to go. And obviously I already knew that I had the training and stuff like that, but like, just from like, I wanted to help people more and, and, I, I don't know where I was thinking about the conference. I was like, I want to help my parents be healthy. I want to help people I don't know be healthy. Up until that point, I was only working with elite athletes. And I was like, I can do more for the world. Like, I want to be able to help more people than just elite athletes. And I was like, if I want to be more personally, I need to give more. And I just like said that to myself. And I don't know where it came from. And that night I called the tattoo shop and I was like, Hey, I want to get this saying tattooed on me. Can you do it? And the guy was like, yeah, like walk in over here. So I left the business park. I went and got give more, be more tattooed on me. And I was like, this is how I'm going to start living my life. And up until that point, I hadn't really been that active, like using Instagram. I didn't have Instagram when I played hockey. I didn't want to have it as a distraction. Looking back now, that was a, a bad way to look at it. I should have used it as a tool and known how to put it down and stuff. But I was like, I'm going to start like, using my podcast that was already getting pretty big and using Instagram and going out and doing things for free for people. Like, you know, I have people in the gym all the time. I, I talked to some firefighters last week who are going to come in and I want to show them how to use their bodies more efficiently so they can help save people. Um, mm. Same with policemen. I want to have them into the gym. I talked to some, um, uh, uh, retired army veterans who I want to have in to keep kind of them having that team 
aspect to their lives that they're probably missing just like I am. I miss that team aspect from being in the locker room all the time. I know they miss that too. And it could be something where they could come in weekly and I'll do it for free and make it a bonding experience. And I want to pay back the people who put their lives on the line for us. So that's another way that I can give back. Um, and I just started thinking about all these ways that like I could be a better person and I could, you know, leave a better legacy on the world. Like uh, through my concussion stuff, I realized that you never know when your last game's going to be your last workout, your last breath it could die at any time. And I want to be able to, you know, as I'm dying, think like I didn't have any unfinished business. I helped people when I leave this earth. I want people to remember me that I at least helped someone. And that's what give more, be more is all about, whether it's hockey school, whatever, if you give more, you will be more. I try and live that way now. That is such a cool story. I did not know that is how that came about. And I cannot believe that you went and got that tattooed literally right after you thought about it. That That's day, awesome. Right yeah. That and somebody recently got that tattoo, didn't they? Yes. Uh, a hockey player who I've never met up in Canada messaged me and he was just, it was his birthday. So he could illegally get a tattoo. And he's like, Hey man, I've been, and I talked to him a couple of times, but he had never mentioned that, you know, just asking me questions. I was just trying to help him with nutrition and workouts and, mm-hmm. Hey man, it's my birthday and I'm going to go get my first tattoo. It's going to be give more, be more. Ever since I started saying that to myself every day, my life's changed. I'm playing better. I'm doing more in hockey, which is making me a better player. And I was like, Oh my God. And he actually got it tattooed on him. He sent it to me. He actually has give more, be more tattooed. That's on his awesome. And, and for me to be able to positively affect some, someone and, and people I don't know like that, it is a massive uh, source of pride for myself and mm-hmm. feel like I'm, trying to leave the world a better place. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously you're so busy and you still like have time for yourself. You still work out on your own, obviously. Like, do you think that comes from motivation or do you think that comes from dedication? Uh, like, what do you, what do you think that is? I think it's, it's a a lot of reasons. I mean, number one, like I truly believe like health is wealth and it's like, Oh, it's a corny saying, but like, I look at, um, some of my older friends who are, you know, in their fifties or their sixties and they're, they're very successful entrepreneurs or business owners or, or whatever. And they're all people who have stayed healthy their whole life. And I always ask them, I'm always asking, you know, my, my well-off friends and, and family members, like, are you well off because you take care of yourself physically and mentally, or are you physically and mentally healthy because you're well off and you have the ability to do that? And I would think that a lot of people would say both, but most of them say that they think that they're successful, you know, in life, uh, economically, whatever happiness. And these people are all seemingly happy because they, they make it a point to take care of themselves physically and mentally. And it doesn't mean, you know, they're as intense as a professional athlete or a retired professional Mm -hmm. athlete like me, but they work out every day. They exercise, they do yoga, they do breathing, they focus on themselves. And about a year ago, I heard some, somebody say, sometimes you have to be selfish to be selfless. And so for me, I set aside time in my day, every single day, no matter what, whether it's a recovery day, and that means meditation, stretching or cold tub or whatever, or it's a day where I'm training and working out. I I look at it as an appointment, just like I have an appointment with clients. Mm -hmm. This is part of what I have to do. I have to do this every day and I have to do this 
because I know if I do this, I will feel better. I will perform better. I'll have more positive chemicals releasing in my brain. I'll sleep better because I'm being more physically active. I'll eat better because I need to eat after training. Like there's so many reasons. So by me giving more, I know that I'll be more. And then on top of that, I also need to be able to demonstrate and, and um, prove that my workouts and my training concepts and all these things work day after day after day. I have, if I can't demonstrate something, how can I coach it? How can I teach it? So I have to constantly be learning and then trying it out and perfecting it myself before I have anyone else do it. So, you know, there's multiple reasons behind it, but I mean, first and foremost, health is wealth. And I want to live as well as I can for as long as I can. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, So you're, a super positive person. I mean, have you always been this positive or is it kind of like a new thing? No, no. For me, I was always a captain all growing up in college. I was a captain as a sophomore, like that, the captain, like that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very rare. Uh, I just noticed that for me when I, and I, there's times where I'm negative for sure, but like I immediately stopped myself. Um, I, uh, I had a teammate, um, in junior hockey when I was 18, um, he, he basically died in my hands, um, in a car accident. And, um, they brought in a sports psychologist, a psychologist to come and talk to the guys who were at the the accident. And, uh, he gave me a CD, um, to like, that's how old I am. I was like playing on a disc man before games, literally a CD. And, uh, it was all about like, positivity and positive mindset and visualization. And so at, I was 18. So at 18 years old, I really learned like, you know, you can think about bad stuff, but that makes you feel bad. That brings you down. That changes your mindset. Um, by immediately thinking like that he had on the CD, immediately think of a stop sign. When you start thinking negative thoughts or, you know, you have a, a you know, you can't see yourself succeeding in your brain, like yell, stop and see a stop sign and then immediately switch to something positive. And that helped me a ton in my hockey career as a person, as a leader, you know, nobody wants to be, I also had a coach at that time who was a very negative person. Um, always on me and my teammates constantly yelling at us, beating us down, telling, calling us names, like, like stuff like that. And it it, it was so bad. And it was like, I don't ever want to treat anyone like the way this guy treats us. And I don't ever want to make anyone feel as bad as he makes me feel. And he was a great coach, but it was, it was, I truly believe, and I've proven for, you know, 12, 15 years now that you can get good results by doing it the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Uh, not lying to people, not filling their head with false hopes, being honest, but looking at the positives, you know, pumping their tires when they do something correctly, when they do something well. So instead of focusing on the negative, focus on the positive. And one of the most influential books I've ever read was on the airplane after I signed with the Bruins and I was on the way to Boston. It's called the secret. My coach told me to read it. I don't know if you've read it, but you should. Um, scientifically it's been proven that thoughts have mass thoughts have actual weight. Um, 
there's something called the law of attraction. Basically, mm-hmm. like attracts like. I 100% believe in it. It's not what people who, you know, are negative people think, oh, if I just think I'm rich, I'm going to be rich. Like, no, you constantly got to be thinking about what you want. You constantly got to be practicing what you want, the steps to get there. You know, you constantly have to be putting out into the world what you want to receive back. And as soon as I started doing that, like my life changed. And what I've noticed is, you know, if I have a, a bad week or a bad day and my mind shifts, switches to something negative, I I attract negative energy. I attract negative people. When I got rid of negative people in my life, like I was like, you know what, you know, as I got older, your your friend circle kind of shrinks. And I got rid of some of negative people that I didn't even know by me being friends with them and constantly being around them and them always, oh, I hate my job. Oh, I hate life. Oh, this sucks. That's, you know, that brings you down and you don't even know it. And then you start to be negative. And so, because of the secret and things like that and me wanting to get rid of that dead weight, stopped hanging out with those people. And all of a sudden I'm more successful. The people right. I choose to surround myself with are people that are like-minded like me are, are goal driven, are purpose driven. They're happy people, which makes me happy, which makes the people I'm around happy. And uh, you know, it's happiness is a choice. Mindset is a choice. It doesn't matter what happens to you. Make it work for you to make you better. And mm-hmm. that's in the worst of cases. And it's very, very fucking hard to do it when bad stuff happens. It's like Will Smith said, and I said earlier, it's that duality. It's the best, it's the worst thing that ever happened to you. It's also going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Cause you're going to learn, learn from it. And, and it's people say this all the time, but young people don't want to listen to this. But if you listen to the successful people who've turned the bad times into good, your life changes. Right. There's also, they have a movie. I think it's on Netflix, honestly, like The Secret. Uh, yeah, I, I used to, I tried to watch that before games because it's easier than reading the book. Yeah. The movie is a little bit corny. Yeah, uh, it is for, for sure. <laughs> it's reading, reading 10 pages in that book, like, and then immediately just like applying it. It's, it's, it's really helped me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, I find it so hard. And this, I've dealt with this for a long time because I have OCD and my, I have intrusive thoughts and, they're not good thoughts. And then I learned about the secret and like manifesting things and, you know, the law of attraction. And then I got immediately scared because I was like, oh my God, these bad thoughts in my head that are intrusive thoughts. Like I'm not really thinking these kind of, um, like they're going to happen if I keep thinking these. So I like kind of scared myself, but that's like, that's what's so hard about OCD too. It's like, you're obviously not wanting to think these things. So then, like you said, with the stop sign, I had a therapist one time, she was like, you need to give these thoughts like a face, like something that you don't like. I don't know why the first thing that I thought of was like, (laughs) this is so dumb. And it's so embarrassing that I thought this, but (laughs) I thought like of, you know, those commercials with like the little mucinex man. Yeah. That's what I thought of. Like, that's the face that I gave my OCD. So then she was like, whenever you like think these things, you need to picture the little nasty mucinex man that's like trying to get in your head and you have to like flick him away or like tell him to fuck off like something. Fuck you, mucinex guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, that's kind of a new thing, but yeah. I love that. Is it working? Is it helping? Yeah. I mean, my OCD is so ingrained in my head that 
sometimes it's 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 there and I don't even realize that I'm thinking it. So I don't do it 100% of the time, but when I think about doing it, it actually works. Um and I kind of like stop what I'm doing and I'm like, "Oh my god, it's just the fucking Mucinex man." Like Yeah. There you like, go. You know what I mean? It's so Love like corny, but, and it also like kind of makes me laugh and like get out of that moment. Right, changing so, and, and laughing and smiling releases positive chemicals into your brain too. So that is helping one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm not a psychologist or anything. I was told one time by somebody when you're having negative thoughts, and this was related to hockey, but I think you can use sports as a metaphor for life. Mm-hmm. They said wear a rubber band, and if you see something negative before a game when you're visualizing, snap the rubber band on you. Yeah, and that like tactile sensation kind of snaps you out of it. It's kind of the same idea. Right. Yeah. You're like, okay, no, I shouldn't think that, but stupid. I don't want to snap myself again. I'll think about positive stuff. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean, even still with OCD, like I kind of scare myself into more anxiety because I'm like, oh my God, if I think that something bad's going to happen, like it will. And that's what OCD is all about. Like you think you have so much more power than you do, but also at the same time, you do have a lot of power with your thoughts. So it's so it's you You do. Yeah. That's why it's so hard. You have more power than you know, and you just gotta, you know, again, I'm not going to be your therapist because it's not, you know, professional, but like (laughs) use man, flick them away. And, and something that's helped me too. And I, I do this with all of my clients in the off season. We finish every single session with a five minute um, meditation and diaphragmatic breathing mm-hmm. and make them clear their mind. And then at the very end, I make them visualize for like a minute, seeing themselves only succeed in life and hockey. And then at the very end, the way we finish is you have to think of three things you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. Say, I want you to see them. I want you to feel them. If it's your mom and dad, imagine hugging them tightly. If it's hockey, think about scoring a goal. Think about what you're grateful for. And it immediately changes your mindset from scared or nervous to, wow, I'm grateful. I'm happy. Like, I'm so lucky I have these things in my life. So like practicing gratitude every day really helps. And, And all the best athletes I know, they journal about what they're grateful for every day. And, and, you know, you have a bad game Oh, I make a million dollars, you know, every, you know, couple mm-hmm. months and I have a great wife and I get to play a kid's game for a living, you know? So like just practicing gratitude can be very, very helpful. Right. Um, whenever you were playing, did you ever like before games, did you sit and visualize and do whatever else? Oh yeah. Visualization. Massive. massive, massive, massive. And I learned that from that CD that I talked about Mm -hmm. from that psychologist who he gave me that CD to help me sleep. There was a bunch of tracks on there. I was having trouble sleeping. I was always seeing my friend that passed away in the accident and going through it in my mind. um, But there were also tracks on there about visualization. So this was in 2004. So like no, no one was talking about visualization back then. No Mm -hmm. one. And so I started doing it at 18 years old and I was like, Whoa, this made me a billion times better at hockey. Like this right. is crazy. And now, you know, in the last five, 10 years, they're coming out with studies that literally prove that people who are really good at visualization, literally it's the same as if they actually did a practice right. and like, like they did a free throw um, study. They had three groups, a group that did nothing a group that only practiced visualization for like, you know, I'm going to butcher it, but maybe it was 30 minutes a day Mm -hmm. practicing seeing themselves shoot free throws and making every basket. 
never touching a basketball, never anything like that, just practicing in their mind. And then a group that actually practiced free throws every day for 30 minutes. And at the end of the study, the group that did nothing didn't get any better. And the group that visualized and the group that actually practiced got the same amount better. That's crazy. Wild. Like how important your thoughts are. So I've heard multiple different ways that you can do this, but whenever you are doing this or whenever you still do this, do you also think of, okay, so say in a hockey game, like you lose the puck or something, like Uh something goes wrong. Do you visualize that too? And how you like come back from it? Or do you only visualize the positive things? Me personally, I only visualize when I'm doing purely visualization before a game. um, I only see myself succeeding, only see myself doing things perfectly, only correctly. But after the, you're going to make mistakes though, obviously. Right. Everyone makes mistakes no matter what you're doing. It's, can you think about those in the game? What did I do wrong? Talk to your coach. Okay, that, okay, I got to change it. So mm. you kind of replay it, at, which maybe that's visualization right after when you're on the bench and then try and change it and go back and you don't really think about it. You just play. But after the game, really good athletes and professional professional athletes for sure, they watch the video mm-hmm. and then they just learn. So like, you know, I, I okay, I lost the puck here because I did blank. All right, I'm going to watch a video. Okay, I should have done this. And now next game or the next day when I'm doing my pre-skate visualization, I'll see myself doing that correctly. So I won't see myself doing it incorrectly. I know I did, but I'll only visualize me doing it correctly. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of people in sports have trouble with like they'll visualize everything going perfect and then something goes wrong. So then they get frustrated and they're like, Oh my God, that's not how I visualized it. That's not what should have happened. Um, And I think, this is so funny. Have you ever watched Ted Lasso? Have you seen those? So Tolf, the guy, who, my cousin, yeah. my podcast partner, has been telling me to watch it forever. I went on vacation a few weeks ago, my first vacation in probably, I don't know, five years, four years. Yeah. I don't take vacations. And uh, <laughs> it rained in Florida, obviously. So I sat in the hotel room with my girlfriend watching some shows. And they had that Ted Lasso show. It's unbelievable. I know. It's and it just makes me laugh and makes me happy. And like, I don't want to be him. Like, I love him. Right. Well, and he says in there, he's like, be a goldfish because you like the 10 second memory. So I literally said that to my team. I think it was last week. And they laughed at me. Obviously, they were like, what do you what do you mean? And I'm like, no, like, just forget. Like, it happened. 10 seconds go by. Forget about it. Like, get on the next play. And they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like Ted Lasso, come on. <laughs> no, that's it's, it's, and that's literally like what they tell you when you're a pro athlete. Like you, they say short-term memory, you did something unbelievable. You had your best game ever. Don't get cocky. Enjoy right. it that night. And then 10 second memory, go back to doing what you did to make you successful, but don't just think it's going to come. Same thing. If you have a bad shift, a bad day, a bad game, you got to have a short memory. Remember how good you are focus on why you are where you are visualizations mm-hmm. positive self-talk positive people around you and then you're back yeah well and you just made a post about that what like yesterday yeah yeah and that was really cool because i had so many guys who have played or are playing in the nhl or the ahl or high level collegiate division one division three answer that and so like that's just free information yeah so, i read yes. i didn't read all of them but from the ones that I read, I was like, wow, that's cool that that person 
commented, but then like even what they said, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I try and use Instagram, like give more, be more. Like I have a lot of friends who have done a lot of great things and can teach a lot of kids things that will make them better at sports. But like I said, sports, I believe if you do them and play them correctly and coach them correctly, it can be a great metaphor to set you up for a successful, happy life. And so all of those lessons can be used on the ice on the soccer field, on the baseball field, in the business world, in the gym. So like I, I messaged all my guys. I'm like, you guys need to read all of these and figure out which ones you like, try them out and, and use these because they work. Obviously these guys made millions of dollars, right? hundreds of thousands of dollars playing hockey. Like, yeah. Use them. Yeah. Crazy. Um, I don't know why I just got super anxious about this. Not like capturing the audio so uh, fingers crossed it says recording i know but i don't know anyways <laughs> we'll see i guess that would suck that would really suck but okay anyways <laughs> i'm trying to think if i have any other questions um let's see let's see um oh something random that happened the other day i was actually I went to see Tony and then I was just kind of like stretching afterwards and I met, um, I forgot her name. I'm so bad with names. Um, yes, I met her, which was awesome. And she had the same, she was like, I have that hoodie. And then another guy that was working out, uh, he like was, I knew that he was doing the workouts cause he was doing like the shuttles. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I was like, I feel like people are lying about their times because there's no way that some of those people got those times. Like, <laughs> and he was like, I know. Right. Anyways. But then he had like the GMBM shirt on and it's like, it's literally a community. Like that's so cool. I know that's that honestly in my whole life, the, the train with me team is one of the coolest things I've ever done because of the community that it's growing to be like, my goal for that at the end of the first year is to have a hundred people from all over the world. And right now, yeah. right now, like I almost have that, but I've given it for free to like my family or some of my ex teammates yeah. and stuff like that. Like I, I really want to grow that thing to be big because I mean, I feel like so many people just don't know how to train. They don't train smart. They, they train unsafely, inefficiently, mm-hmm. ineffectively. And you know, it's, it's a dollar a day almost for the month. Like it's yeah. how much money I've had to put into making that and all those videos, like I'm probably losing money, but like <laughs> my goal with that is to like help people and make it a community. And it is so badass yeah. that everyone's texting each other and you know, you're texting with putts and GB on the side. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's the accountability chain on Snapchat where I see people taking Snapchats of their workouts and talking to each other. It's people that have never met each other. And they're talking about how good they feel from these workouts that we're all doing together. It is right. literally one of the coolest things ever, especially because like I said, you know, with, when I created give more, be more, it was, I want to give more to the world, not just elite athletes. Like, mm-hmm elite athletes already have pretty sweet lives. Like obviously they have, you know, everyone has hard times, whatever, but like I want to help people that I wouldn't be able to in the gym. So this is a way that I can do that and try and help them um, physically. And then also with the mental stuff we all talk about. So it's, it's been very, very exciting and I'm happy to have you a fucking part of it. P yeah. Also a couple, this was a couple months ago, probably, but I was in supplement superstore and I saw Corey and they were like asking for my email or whatever. And he was like, wait, Peyton Williams. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah. And then he was like, oh my God, like I'm Corey. And I was like, 
oh my god that is so cool yeah and then he ended up giving me like a little sample of ghost protein just so i could try it yeah like so cool i would never know these people otherwise right like like i would never have met you you yeah. know, I never met Corey. I never met any of these people. Right. It's so cool that we're all doing this thing together and it's well, yeah. every day getting better, you know? Yeah. It's- well, and I think I actually started following you because of Jillian. Oh yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. She's yeah. Badass. Love her. I love uh, her. She's a badass. It doesn't, isn't she making a podcast too? She is. It's called owning the weight. W A I T not weight. Like, body weight it's (laughs) because she's saying like all good things you know come to those who wait like yeah you gotta grind you gotta invest in yourself you gotta give more to be more like that whole thing you know she's grinding her ass off and Mm -hmm. and such a cool person and what she's done and she's coming out with a book and she's a badass yeah I'm excited for that. Well, all these people are getting like these little mentions on here. So you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Not that probably that many people listen yet. Yeah. Hey, hey, that. So right there saying not that many people probably listen. That is a negative self-talk. Don't say that. Okay. But the yet made it a little bit better. Yet made it a little (laughs) bit better. You are correct. But no, actually though, I think. I was looking at the statistics the other day of it, just like randomly curious. They're like, I think it's up to like 10 countries now. I don't even know people in 10 countries. That's awesome. So That's yeah. Awesome. Anyway, it's just a little brag. It's fine. It's the same. When we started our podcast, we're like, is anybody going to listen to us? Yeah. Like- you know, and, and we hit half a million downloads. Of yeah. Like that's awesome. Months ago or whatever it was. So like just, and I've sent your podcast to a bunch of people and they're all like, ah. got something. She's really good. Thank you. Yeah. Like, and you're funny, you're poignant, like you're doing a good job. I like it. Thank you. Well, even putts the other day, he was like, Peyton, just how you think about things. Like, I feel like I'm listening to the female version of me. And I was like, Thank you. I think. <laughs> I, think? I, don't, I don't know how to take that, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. That's All right. Nice. Well, I don't think I really have anything else. And also I have practice soon. So. <laughs> okay, no problem. Well, go out there and crush it. Be I will. What do you think that? Be happens? a goldfish. On the way, on the way, visualize you doing your job and being the best player on that goddamn field. Right. And oh, last week too. I think it was last Thursday when we had practice, I was just talking like to my group after whatever. And I was like, okay, like let's earn our weekend. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You need to. So yeah, like just the little things. I'm a really big slogan person too, though. Like I always have been, I used to write out quotes, like on little post-it notes and put them everywhere. Like as a little kid, like what doesn't kill you will make you stronger in like seventh grade. (laughs) No, I, I was the exact same way. I had them all over my room. I love thinking about the people who doubted me. Yeah. Like, I have a quote next to like thinking about somebody who said, you'll, oh, Levecki will never make it. Oh, he's yeah. not. But yeah. Yeah. I'm going to read that quote. I'm going to think about your face. I'm going to go fucking do it. Like, right. You know, I, I love that stuff. And I love quotes and successful people do that. Mm-hmm. It always serves as, again, the secret. If you constantly read positive affirmations you con- and then you think about how you're applying them, how you're using them, you start to be better. Right. Absolutely. Kill it, P. I love it. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for being on here. Um, Hopefully the audio recorded. Oh my God. I'll be so upset if it didn't. I don't know why. I just think that it didn't, but it's fine. (laughs) It will. 
We are good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again. I will let you know when it's ready. It'll be tomorrow, probably. <laughs> but. All right. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.